You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Welcome in to another glorious, reckless speculation Thursday here on Mackie and Judd to all who celebrate. Let me get my sounder here. Yeah. Speculation. That means we bring in our friend for inside information about your favorite Minnesota sports teams, Darren Doogie Wilson from the Five Eyewitness News Sports Team and the Scoop Podcast. And boys, today is a great, it's a great uh, sort of landmark celebration date. It is the one year anniversary of Declan's first date. Declan yeah. has made it a full year in a relationship, everybody. Yeah. Congratulations. Nice. Shout out to Gerson. He was, uh, I was 15 minutes late for that dinner because we had to react to that news, and she somehow still stuck around for the date and for the whole year. So she deserves yeah. uh, plenty of applause for that. And, of course, the Celtics coach is, uh, is being suspended and potentially fired for having a relationship with a coworker. So today's a great reminder. Don't sleep with your coworkers. No, you should All right. Or if you do... I'm not anti-sleeping with co-workers, although I guess I would be now as a happily married man, at least half the time happily married, maybe even less than that, or depending on the day, but... You like, want to keep going? You want to keep picking? You want right, talking like, about it? Don't, don't go to an MLS game and be spotted in a suite, you know, making out with said co-worker, right? Like, you can have a relationship with a co-worker, just keep it under wraps. Or disclose it to HR, one of the two. Yeah, you could do you could do a couple, a couple different things. Yeah. This is not going well. Oh, right. boy. Uh, I'm staying so, away from this whole thing. Oh completely. boy! <laughs> it is the one year anniversary, though, right? The one year anniversary. It's not only reckless speculation Thursday. It's the one year anniversary of the Wolves firing Gerson Rosas. Think about all the changes mm. since that date, September twenty second, twenty twenty one. Yeah, I mean the organization is in a million different better places. I mean. To his credit, though, he pretty much built the roster that went to the playoffs, made some noise, right? It was it, that his vision came to fruition after he was let go. So maybe we do have to take a moment to appreciate Gerson Rosas and all his glory, all of his flaws. Well, and that's why, Phil, the New York Knicks, happily, maybe not publicly so much, but happily behind the scenes, welcomed Gerson into their circle. He was heavily involved in trade talks with Utah for Donovan Mitchell. Like, when it comes to just basketball acumen, assembling a roster, there's enough there to like about Gerson Rosas. I had a problem with him championing these these collaboration type, you know, like I remember the Pat Beverly trade where he was like, this was a collaborative effort. No, that was, that was... That was a dictatorship, right? But that was okay. Like, Gerson had this vision. He didn't need to run it up and down the flagpole, right? He didn't need to bounce it off Suchin or some others in the front office. Like, he had this vision. I want Patrick Beverly on this roster. He went and executed that trade. But, like, just don't publicly talk about family atmosphere, kumbaya, collaboration, when it was all just a 
bunch of crap. Oh, he's got multiple families. Multiple feasts of feasts. More of a family guy than any than anyone else is. I feel I feel like the wolves basically looked and when they uh, when they found out what Gerson was doing that that gave them the cause. Like it sounds like there was a lot of other things going on. Like as far as the friction and and it's probably you know it's like it's friction. Like should we? It's going to be a big move to fire him. I feel the relationship was the perfect thing to say, now we've got cause, you're gone. We don't really care that, that much about the relationship, though, but you being a jerk became the problem. And what's amazing, guys, is this. In this town, within about a year uh, span, you had Paul Fetton and Gerson, two complete tyrants who were such tyrants, they had to be fired. Mm-hmm. So you can sleep with your coworkers if you're a nice guy. Is the, yes. is oh, the lesson I think, here? Yes, yes. And I mean, by all accounts, yeah. Udoka in Boston, like there are no red flags there in terms of just being, you know, a bleephead, right? Like Gerson, you're right. I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Judd. Right? The relationship with the colleague. Heck, as far as I know, at least as of a couple months ago, they're still together. Hey, great for them, right? Like, it's all about finding love. I feel horrible for, for Gerson's wife, his the kids, spouse is probably that family agree. dynamic. But, like, it's all about finding happiness, right? Finding a great wow. partner, right? We can all relate in that regard, right? But, like, he treated a lot of people like doo-doo. And that had a lot to do. So, yeah. Judd, you were, you were spot yeah. on when you suggested that. Like, if... The only thing was that relationship. It's possible Gerson is still running the Wolves today. And one of them probably more. And one of them probably has to quit the team, but they're both not fired. Mm. Accurate. Well, and as far as I know, I don't know if the woman was technically fired. mm. You know, I mean, I think she realized, okay, I can't keep this position. Time for me to move on. But I don't know if she was necessarily fired. But yeah, Gerson, one year ago today, absolutely outright fired. Um, so now we fast forward, and 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 the, and the wolves go out, and they they double the salaries. I guess we're kind of immersed in a state of the Timberwolves one year later here discussion. But they go out, they double the salary of one of the highest regarded front office executives in Tim Connolly, and within about six minutes, he trades for Rudy Gobert, and they're reshaping this roster. And so from what you have just over the last however long it's been, like four months, five months, what have you heard about the inner workings of the Wolves under Tim Connolly and even further up under Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez in the influence that they have? What is so if, if the vibe a year ago was, oh, my God, we have a tyrant that's just going around in a relationship and all this stuff. What is the vibe now inside uh, Mayo Clinic Square? Lots of positivity. A lot of people liked him. I've yet to hear a bad word about him. The ideal guy you'd like to sit down and have a beer with. He's about to welcome another child, right? You know, we hit on, or at least on TV a little bit, Kevin O'Connell. His wife is due here in a few weeks. Well, another Minnesota sports executive, you know, their significant other wife is is due here. Tim Connolly's wife is due in the near future. He's very much a family guy. Like, you talk to people in Denver. They sing his praises. And those praises have carried over here to Minnesota. I was going back and forth with Luca Garza's dad, who I've developed a little bit of a relationship with. He told me, like, Luca, and I get it, like, Luca, an incredible long shot, 
to make the Wolves opening night 15-man roster. But like Luca had opportunities to go play overseas for comfortable seven figures. Like I'm not talking $9 million, but more money than he'll make stateside. But like Tim Connolly, like more than anybody else, like Luca believes in Tim Connolly's vision, believes in, okay, like Tim sold Luca, hey, this is a good spot for you. Here's why this is a good spot for you. Luca was all in. That's just one of many different examples I can cite. So yeah, it's it's good times. You know, the guys they brought into the front office, Del Demps, Matt Lloyd, you know, some others, right? Like I've heard just a bunch of good things. Marquise Watts now being this VP that's making a lot of money, right, to enhance the player experience. Now, I still have question marks about Lori, A-Rod, more so about A-Rod, you know, the finances there. But, like, somebody gave them the green light to give Tim Connolly all that money, right? So, you know, there's still an interesting dynamic there that needs to sort itself out to some extent. But outside of that, like, it's really, really good times. A-Rod in town right now. He met with some season ticket holders yesterday, met with some staff members, right? So it's just, it's a good time right now. Training camp begins on Tuesday, media day on Monday. So a lot of guys escaping town for the weekend, one final weekend to get away. But otherwise, almost every guy has been in town the last handful of days. They've done a bunch of team bonding activities. They went to go play softball over at the University of St. Thomas late last week. Luca's dad told me they had some stuff last night, the night before. They've been doing a bunch of stuff on the court. So they are ready to rock and roll come next Tuesday. So Dukes, off the, uh, I, I think it, it was in the post about three weeks ago, and story about the potential problems, especially involving A-Rod. Has there been more on that? Like, where do things stand as far as, as the sale, as far as his involvement? I'm just curious, because th- that story had a lot of um, interesting information and it was certainly a one-day story that sort of got dropped. And I'm just curious if it just got buried or if there is more there there that we're going to see develop within the next, I don't know, six months or so. Well, even three months because the next big payment is due Good point. in December. So as it trends toward December, that's when maybe more stuff comes out. My understanding, Judd, is Mark Laurie's in a good spot. He can he can secure the financing. Like if it needs to be, you know, instead of an equal split here with this December payment, like Mark can he can foot seventy five percent of the bill if need be. And it's not like A Rod doesn't have any money, right? Mm-hmm. So like A Rod is going to contribute in some form, but it just may not be a fifty fifty split. So my understanding from those close to Glenn, Glenn has gone on the record with me now going back a few months, but or at least, what, four, five, six weeks. But Glenn has suggested to me there are no hiccups. This thing is full steam ahead. As far as I know, it just may look a little different, may not be an equal partnership in terms of the money invested, Mark and Alex, but it's still trending toward December of 2023, at least Mark Laurie becoming the majority owner. I mean, would it really be a bad thing if instead of them being equal partners financially, if, if, if to me it seems like Mark Laurie is, in terms of, experience building legitimate businesses and infrastructure and everything that's mark Lowry. i mean alex rodriguez is is only a businessman in the sense that he made a ton of money playing baseball and he has little investment portfolios and sort of like drops in on he's not a roll your sleeves up build a business from the ground up guy Lowry is so i i'm the more this kind of swings toward Lowry with a rod being like the the sports guy advisor and maybe the maybe at some point 
maybe A Rod is the guy that 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 rebuilds the bridge with Kevin Garnett or something, right? Like I would have no problem if that gap existed between the two of them. Well, I mean, I can't see a scenario where that bridge is rebuilt once Glenn is no longer majority owner. Now, Glenn is going to be still a limited partner, so KG may still have some reservations as long as Glenn still has his fingerprints on the franchise, you know, at least a little bit. But at some point, I do see that bridge being rebuilt. At some point now, it might be still seven, eight, nine years from now, but at some point, I see Kevin Garnett's 21 jersey hanging, and it may not be in the rafters of Target Center at that point, right? It may be a different arena, but I do see that day happening at some point. And like, Climate Pledge down. Arena so in Seattle, Washington. Write that Washington. down by 2035, Declan. <laughs> like, let's just, I'll give myself a little leeway there. Let's go yeah. out about 13 years. Down. Within the next 13 years, <laughs> write that down. Kevin Garnett's number 21 jersey. Let's, well, hang in the rafters of some Minnesota-based arena. I don't even know what arena that will be. Yeah, I mean, Phil, to the casual fan, I don't think it'll be a big deal at all if in the end it's just Mark Laurie as the majority owner. Behind the scenes, there are certain rules, stipulations where, you know, depending on how much money you've invested, you know, how much you can be involved. But A-Rod can still be a public figurehead. He can still do these lunches. He can hobnob with season ticket holders, with, you know, sponsors, you know, doing stuff like that. Like, A-Rod can still have a role. He just may not be able to attend, you know, some of these owners' meetings, you know, those types of things. But, I'm telling you, like to the casual fan, even to the hardcore fan, like I don't think it'll really matter in the end. Just for the record, that write that down prediction by Doogie, which I do think we should make official, uh, it is going to join the likes of, I'm going back in our database here, we have some open-ended predictions from seven years ago from uh, Judd and myself. So Judd in 2015 said Arizona State will join the Big Ten Hockey Conference, but he didn't put an end date on it, so it just exists until... Either it. it happens or until yeah. ASU doesn't have a hockey program. Yeah, I like and, that uh, one. All right. That's and I have one. one from 2015, 16 that says Johnny Manziel will star in a reality show before he starts another game in the NFL, which only comes off the board if he starts a game in the NFL, stars in a reality show, or dies because there's no end date on it. So uh, at least we have a 13-year end date on this one, it sounds like. Well, yeah, and I also made one. I don't know if it was three, four years ago that Alex Kirilov one day will win a batting title. That still has shelf life for another 10 years. Although <laughs> after this latest wrist surgery, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to end up winning that one. If, if he wins it in, in a independent league, does it count? That's the question. Cause like I could see his career just <laughs> going off the cliff and he just gets fat, but he can go hit. He mashes. He fat playing because he'll be old he'll get fat he'll be playing for the milwaukee milkmen and he'll win a batting title in that league it's a good team i guess i didn't stipulate uh, major league batting I, title genius, i just said genius. alex kirilov will win a batting title so yeah like he's only 20 he was drafted out of high school so how old yeah. is alex at this point 23 24 he's getting old even? Yeah, Declan, if you can go to the Google, I'm curious how old Alex Kirloff is. <laughs> yeah, Declan, not that look old. that up, Declan. <laughs> well, or I can multitask. I can do it. But, <laughs> like, the point is, I still have at least another 11, 12, 13 years to try and win that one. He'll be 25 in November. He's 24. Okay. All right, so, He's got time. you know, figure. Now, the wrist may be a chronic issue, right? So that may F me in the end. But, like, I've got at least another 12, 13 years on that one, too. Hey, uh, Pat Bev came out yesterday. So KG and Paul Pierce did a KG's doing some media for uh, I think at MGM he's doing he's like MGM's main spokesperson 
and there's a there's a content play. And so him and Paul Pierce were talking about a bunch of different things, and they talked about the Timberwolves. And Paul Pierce said he thinks Rudy Gobert makes the Wolves a top four seed that can go deep in the playoffs, Western Conference. KG pushed back a little in the video clip, saying he worries they lost too many of their core grinder guys, like Pat Bev and Jared Vanderbilt. And Pat Bev saw the clip on social media and tweeted, if y'all take Tony Allen off that Celtic squad from you know 13 years, 15 years ago, y'all are a different team. That's all I'm saying. Toughness and dog mentality goes further when skill doesn't work hard. Is this another grizzled veteran complaining about Carl Anthony Towns? Yes, if you want to read between the lines. I mean, I can't go all in and say that's exactly what Pat Bev was meaning. Heck, I should reach out to Pat Bev. He's Mr. Media now, right? He's Mr. Podcast with, is it Barstool now? I mean, Barstool, he's yeah. He's omnipresent, right? So it'd be nice to get some clarity on exactly what he meant there, but it's hard not to decipher, based on that tweet yesterday, Phil, that he's insinuating that Carl Anthony Towns is not a hard worker. Right. And Jimmy Butler's yes. gone in on that. Others, maybe not so publicly, have gone in on that. I guess my pushback to that is what exactly does that mean? Like now, you know, Cat at times puts too much on social media, right? Like he was somewhere tropical in the last seven to 14 days. And hey, there's a picture with his personal trainer right there, right? As they're swimming in, you know, some great body of water, right? So, like, he travels with his personal trainer. So, he's presumably getting in work while on vacation. He looks to be in phenomenal shape. So, like, I don't even know I think, what exactly that I th- means. I think what it means is this. I think the perception, and rightfully so, is that he is soft too often. And and the Memphis series, there were games where that's That a is thousand... the perception, John, but is that reality? Um, You know what? I think it's reality when you have, what, two games, and then to, to go back to the playing game as well, where you disappear. I think it's very fair to say you are too talented and make way too much. I, I mean, it's sort of in a different way a little bit. The, the problem that a lot of us have with Kirk Cousins. Like, you can't, you're paid too much and have too much talent to disappear when you are needed most. So I, I don't think it's really a hard work thing. Like, I don't think it's like, well, Cat doesn't care and he's getting soft. I think it's a, a mental thing that drives the Butlers and Beverly's up the wall, rightfully so, because they see a guy who has great talent. And then, I mean, literally in, what, two games in the Grizzlies series, disappeared. Like, it was inexcusable. You can't – those games, that's not a bad night. That is a that is a check mark, a red mark against your career when you are disappearing in games that important. Well, and he didn't play well in that Rockets playoff series a few years ago. Right. Right. So you have, right. you know, the poor showing in that series. You have multiple games in the Memphis series, the playing game against the Clippers. Now, he was brilliant in at least one of those Memphis games. But sure, to your point – he wasn't brilliant enough, but I don't know if that's because he's not working hard enough or is soft. Like, it could be the opposite. I mean, maybe just not the smartest player, right? Like, some of these fouls that he takes, you're like, what the heck are you doing, Cat? Yeah. Right? But I don't know if that has anything to do with him necessarily being soft. But nonetheless, you know, like, trust me, it's not just Jimmy Butler and potentially Pat Beverly who have this opinion. Like, that opinion is shared by enough people across the league. Yeah. 
It is kind of amazing though. Pat Bev just can't help but light every bridge on fire. But then he just got, you know, then he just he he lit the Russell Westbrook bridge on fire about eight different times. And then he just shows up in L.A. and they're and right, now what's we're the up? best of friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they just had a mini camp out in San Diego. Apparently, those two have been bonding pretty good. Yeah. Uh, before we continue with this scoop session here with Doogie, let's uh, shout out our friends over at Valley Park Medical Clinic. So, guys, uh, ED doesn't have to be something embarrassing that you're, you're hiding from. You can get this thing fixed, okay? And Valley Park Medical Clinic has been helping guys in the Twin Cities area with this problem. It's a medical approach, but it's non-invasive, and they will work with you in a discreet manner. ValleyParkMedicalClinic.com. Get this area of your life handled. ValleyParkMedicalClinic.com. Um, also, a shout-out to our friends over at Spiralite Candle, Judd. The Vikings' victory candle was extinguished, but, yeah, the, no. Vikings, but the Vikings' coping candle is, exactly. is in play this week. It's great. Exactly right. Yep. It, uh, it's called Judd's Purple Positivity Candle for a reason, because it brings purple positivity win or lose. That means if it's a win, that's awesome. The candle's burning, and it's good luck. And if it's a loss, you know what it does. It soothes you. It makes you feel better about the game itself. It calms you down. You're not screaming and throwing stuff at the TV. So check it out, SpiralLightCandles.com. SpiralLightCandles.com, a great gift, a wide variety of awesome-smelling candles, but the Purple Positivity Candle, that's the candle to help you win or lose. Uh, Doogie. Reckless. <laughs> when I like Purple Positivity, I think Judd's all good. Look at <laughs> I got it right here, Dukes, and I'm going to tell you right now. I mean, you look at this. Would you not like this burning in your house? Just a that's nice it. aroma spiral, and then it's got the... Oh, man, it's just fantastic. Candles we'll send you are a, underrated, send you I'll tell you that much. Dude, we had uh yeah, we had a a, a, a third a, a third sump pump septic situation and this one wasn't the, the one in February was like light the whole basement on fire for a month situation. This was more of a the alarm got triggered so they had to replace the pump before anything bad happened, but he had to have the lid open downstairs for oh. like 4 hours. Oh, oh my and god. And so, you know, and oh. I'll tell you, I could have used a couple of those uh, spiral light candles because uh it was pre- pretty pretty dank. So anyhow, Doogie, uh, the Vikings have been pretty lucky and fortunate with with just a lack of injury issues throughout the off season. I mean, like their injury report going into Week One and Week Two is very minimal. Um, what does it look like now? Harrison Smith concussion protocol. What 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 are they dealing with on the injury front? Well, yeah, it's him. It's Andrew Booth Jr. Both guys, if they did practice on Wednesday, they did not hit the practice field. They will hit the practice field. The Vikings, that is, maybe not those two guys. This afternoon. So those are the two guys to keep an eye on. Now, the word late Monday on Smith was there was some positive traction that he'd be able to get out of the concussion protocol by midweek. So to me, a little bit alarming that as of Wednesday afternoon, he was still in the protocol. So we'll have to keep an eye on that situation. It sure would be nice if Booth Jr., who when he was on the field at Clemson, showed why he was just about a first-round pick. I know he went early second round, but had first-round productivity, first-round traits, right? So it sure would be nice to get him going, but that still might be another week or so. So, yeah, those mm. are the two guys to keep an eye on. Detroit's injury list, a little bit longer. Like, I'm curious if my guy Frank Ragnow from Chanhassen High School, if he'll be back, you know, the all-pro center. Aiden Hutchinson popped up on the injury report. Now Dan Campbell, the Lions head coach, said on Monday, that's more a Charlie horse situation, but... Hutchinson, who had three sacks last week, did not practice 
on Wednesday, DeAndre Swift. Now, Swift was on the injury report last week, played on Sunday, played well. So I imagine he plays on Sunday, but he's a little banged up as well. So it seems like Detroit, a little bit more banged up than the Vikings. Uh, here's one that I, I w- would like to both sound a potential alarm on and recklessly speculate simultaneously. And it's a, it's not being brought up yet, but it is a story. Um, so this is a, this is a good one to dig on. Um, Lewis seen was active and played special teams Monday night. Okay. But what was interesting was, and I wasn't shocked that he is behind Bynum. So that didn't like shock me, but here's the, here's the red alert on this one. When Harrison Smith got hurt, Josh Metellus stepped in, stepped in for Harrison Smith. Lewis seen was not the next man up. Now, anything from a third-round pick on, I'm like, okay, yeah, he's just learning. But a first-round pick, highly touted, highly touted, who can't get on the field when Harrison Smith goes out, is at least worth checking into. That That's an interesting one to me. Unless unless he was still hobbled and hurt, but he did, he was active, he couldn't get on the field as the next safety up, which is what, four deep at that point? Three deep, four deep? Anyway. Just want to sound the alarm a little bit and recklessly speculate that that it's got my uh, my attention. Well, I don't even know if you need to recklessly speculate. Like it's pretty telling that Metellus is ahead of Lewis. Seen yeah. now, Seen told me in the locker room last week. I feel great. Like he didn't put an exact number that I'm ninety eight percent or one hundred percent. But like he declared last Wednesday, he was good to go for Monday night or last Thursday. I guess it would have been right yeah. one week ago. Andy ended up playing. But yeah. When they needed to go with another safety, it was Metellus. Now, going back to training camp, to preseason, Judd, are you that surprised? It's not like Lewis seen popped. Plus, he missed a few days. Like, he missed that night scrimmage, right? So, like, he wasn't out there every single day. But based on what we saw when we had all that access those first couple weeks of August, I'm not surprised that Metellus is ahead of Lewis seen today. I might not be completely surprised. I'm disappointed and disturbed. Disturbed? Well, I'm disturbed. Distur- I'm, disturbed? Dis- I'm disturbed that a first-round pick is not able to get on the field that far down the depth chart, especially in a game where, like, that was – that's a pretty good game to get him out there. Yeah, I'm a little bit disturbed. It's first-round pick. Well, I mean, we'll continue to make those comparisons of Thank Kyle you. Hamilton in Baltimore right now. I haven't seen how – He's played. I did see what Miami did on Sunday. I'm actually trying to see if there's any reports on how Kyle Hamilton has been playing. There were some positive reports going back to preseason, right? But that will be the comparison that many of us make for many years because the Vikings could have just stayed where they were there in the first round, drafted the consensus number one safety on the board that at different points was supposed to be a top five pick. He kept falling Right, And he was sitting there for the Vikings just to gobble up. The Vikings decided, nope, we don't want Kyle Hamilton. We'll move all the way back, see how the board shakes out, ultimately end up with Lewis Seen. But that will be the comparison, Kyle Hamilton in Baltimore to Lewis Seen here. So I'll be curious to follow how Kyle Hamilton plays. I don't know how he's played through the first two weeks. Uh, all right, final minute here. Uh, we want to be respectful of, of your time here, Doogie. Any final scoops, what's left in the bag here? Sure. So tomorrow, 4 o'clock, Nolan Winter, Trevor Winter's son, Lakeville North High School senior, will declare where he will play his college basketball. It is down 
to the Gophers and Wisconsin Badgers. Mm. Let me just remind everybody, mm. Lakeville North has a pipeline to Madison. Tyler Wall, one of Wisconsin's best players right now, Lakeville North High School alum. Nate Reavers, who had a nice career in Madison, now making money overseas, Lakeville North High School alum. So it'll be fascinating if that trend continues, right? Where Nolan, with his dad's legacy, think about Trevor Winter playing on Clem Haskins' team, the Final Four. Heck, Trevor Winter had a brief cup of coffee, appeared in one NBA game for like one minute. You should go to basketballreference.com. Look at Trevor Winter's bio. He appeared in like one game for the Timberwolves, but Trevor Winter can say he played in the NBA. Trevor is a great guy, but it'll be fascinating to see if his son Nolan ultimately picks Wisconsin over the Gophers. Now, Ben Johnson lost a local recruit supposedly earlier this week with Taysen Chapman of Totino Grace picking Ohio State. I will tell you on this, the Gophers preferred Cam Christie. They did not lose Taysen Chapman. I'm happy for Taysen. Good kid. I've been over to Totino Grace multiple times to get to know him. Ohio State is getting one heck of a player. Maybe the Gophers misevaluated on that because at one point, going back to last winter, the Gophers were all over Taysen Chapman. But in the end, they preferred Cam Christie, who they got out of the state of Illinois. I do not count Taysen Chapman as a loss for the Gophers. In the case of Nolan Winter, the Gophers would happily take him. Now, is he their number one target this second? No. That's the big man from California, the five-star Dennis Evans. But the Gophers would happily take Nolan Winter if he wants to commit to them tomorrow. But I'm just saying, based on the tradition there, Lakeville North to Madison, I'm just saying keep an eye on that possibility of Nolan Winter telling the hometown Gophers no, Mm. his dad's school no, and yes to the Wisconsin Badgers. Lame. There he is, Darren Doogie Wolfson. Inside information about your favorite Minnesota sports teams. All right, great great stuff, Dukes. We'll see you next week. All right, talk to you, boys. Talk right. on Tuesday. See ya. Bye-bye. Um, all right, we love having Doogie on the show. Just uh, just brings great fodder and information every single week. But I think uh, that was fun. That was fun. But I think the segment Judd's been waiting for pretty much all week, maybe all season, Yep. is, uh, is next year. So... Judd, we we made a decision on the show here. Got to be like a week ago now. I'm trying to think, when did they? I don't know. It was sometime in the last week. We put our heads together behind the scenes and said, "Man, the Twins just completely crapped the bed for a two week stretch against the White Sox, Yankees, and Guardians. Their season's pretty much over. We tend to program what we do here on Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily around what the audience wants from us." And so last year, the audience wanted a lot of wild discussion. People loved Kirill Kaprizov, and so you guys beefed up Judd's hockey show. Um, you know, we saw Wolves' interest bubbling, and so we said, "Let's over the last year, let's talk more Timberwolves. We'll add a Flagrant Howls podcast sort of spinoff with Kyle Tyge and myself and do this. You know, we used to have a daily twin show back in 2019, the first year of Score North, called the Score North Twin Show, and it was like a full cast. It was you, it was our guy Rami, Derek Wetmore, me, and Glenn Perkins and stuff, and that was sort of peak Twins interest. But the last three years, the interest has waned. Even when the Twins are going through good stretches, you know, we'll, we'll force Twins discussion, but it's just very clear the audience, by and large, responds a lot less to Twins discussion uh, than some of the other stuff we talk about. So we made the decision once they were buried a week ago. He said, you know what? 
let's just kind of shut her down. The, the Twins made their own bed. People want to look ahead to the fun winter sports teams, the Vikings, maybe the Gopher football team, whatever. We'll just shut her down. And over the last week, I would say 30 to 40% of text messages sent from Judd are just him hate watching this Twins team still. Where Declan and I have kind of moved on, like I'm studying for the NBA season. We're watching AEW at, at Arthur Ashe Stadium last night. Great card last And Judd, it, Judd just, this stupid team. Ah, yeah. ah. And quit. so yep. you've, wanted, you've wanted at least some sort of burial, uh, you know, autopsy-type segment right. surrounding this Twins team. And so I think, I think we're going to give you this floor here now okay. to do All whatever right. you want to do here to get it out of your system. Okay. Go, the the the, the floor you. is yours here. I think this might be w- one last time until right. well, something newsworthy happens. Right. Well, and f- first of all, uh, I am not here to bury the twins as far as talk about their faults and maybe they can tweak this and blah, blah, blah. I'm here to torch them. I want to burn down Target Field, and I'll start by saying this now. This I am Arson. done. I am done. You need to fire Rocco Baldelli. I am through with this whole thing. Wow. And Here's why. And this is not a, well, I'm going to pose some questions about what went wrong with the twins and not answer said questions. And, 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 you know, you're going to, you're going to applaud me because I have the guts to pose the questions. I am calling for his job. I'm calling for his job and it's very simple. And I will, and it has nothing to do with what people are ticked about, which is the analytics and they meet at two o'clock and Rocco or, or Rocco's pulling the pitchers. Rocco's doing this. Rocco's doing that. Good old Rocco is, doing what he's told but he does have a job to do and that is to have a base a baseball team that can run the bases that can play infield defense that has a little bit of discipline that even when things go bad doesn't quit which the twins now have quit i don't care and you don't tell me well they got guys hurt i know they got guys hurt but the guys replacing them are actively quitting on the season as well. I don't even know I blame them, but I blame the manager. Rocco Baldelli, everything he's supposed to do, way outside of going and taking a pitcher out at 75 pitches, which might be his decision, it might not be. I don't even know or care anymore. Needs to be fired because he is overseeing a stupid baseball team that is undisciplined, I mean, when your great feat is going and getting Gilbert Celestino Gilbert, and, and, and taking him out of the game, when that's your greatest feat, give me a break. This goes back to, and Phil, you said this with Royce, and you're exactly right. This is the type of crap that needed to happen with Rosario years ago. Rocco has set up a culture of no accountability, and I can get away with anything I want. And then he takes it out on a guy who deserved it, but is the fill-in for Buxton? Like, it'd be different if it had been Rosario or if it was Buxton. I mean, hell, even Miguel Sano, basically, until he was sent down by the front office, got away with murder at times. There were times he should have been lifted from games, and Rocco didn't do it. And that's on him. I'm done with him. I'm done with him. I think he's lost this team completely, and he's lost me. And he might be the greatest guy on the face of the earth. And he might be a really good bench coach. And there was a time when Nelson Cruz ran this team that Rocco appeared to be masquerading as a real manager. But that's gone now. And look, do I want do I want Falvey's job? I'd like to talk about that. And I might. But I'm just talking from a fundamental standpoint of not being able to control your team. And then caring far too late. 
I mean, Phil, you covered baseball. So much baseball is one between the margins. It's the small things. Like, you don't even appreciate good base running until you see bad base running and no discipline, right? Think about all of those things. And you know what? Here's the here's the thing, too. So Celestino screwed up. On the Arise fly ball in Kansas City two nights ago, he needs to tag. But I have a question that no one's asked. What was Wave him Home Tommy Watkins doing? He coaches third base. <laughs> he coaches third base, and that's on Rocco, too. Dude, you got to have control. I mean, Tommy Watkins arguably should have been taken out of the third base coach's role two months ago. He's not. He can't do it. He's not good. Where is any discipline with this damn team? So I'm not asking questions. Well, what's on wrong with the Twins? No, nah, screw that. I'm done with that. I'm calling for people who don't deserve their jobs to be fired, and Rocco Baldelli doing what he's supposed to do or not doing it to me deserves to be fired. Wow. That was uh, – there it is. Judd, uh, Judd went there with the firing. Um. So let's unpack this for a second here because I will I will zoom out a little bit and say that I think it's really hard to justify the last two seasons, the disappointing results. You're going to finish below 500 two years in a row unless you go on a crazy run here. Uh, you're going to finish below 500 in two seasons in which you went in planning to win the division, which, I mean, the, the, the gap there is massive. And the Twins are going to come back and say, well, injuries. That's been the and, and they have they have been besieged by injuries in many different ways. But what percentage of their failure is injuries versus bad decision making and bad leadership? And we've kind of parsed a lot of that stuff apart the last few weeks on the show. There's definitely a slice of injuries. But there's a huge slice of bad decision making, bad personnel moves, just general underachievement and incompetence. And so then you have to parse apart of the part of the of the portion of the blame that is incompetence, bad leadership, the stuff that you can control. How much of that is Rocco's fault? How much should he be the scapegoat for what has happened the last couple of years? I think if you're the owners of this franchise and you want to show that you care about winning, that you actually plan to win a World Series at some point, you can't come out again like Jim Polad said one year ago and say. I still believe that this is an A-plus front office, for instance. Dude, what are you watching, okay? A-plus? So I, I don't know when Jim Polad's, when, when someone in the media is going to track him down again, but I don't want to hear A-plus again. So to me, a manager's main job is to, and I've told you guys this for years, like covering baseball, just being connected to a lot of Major League Baseball players throughout the years, a manager's main job is sort of ambiguous. It's not like a football team where you are you are going to coach up a group of 53 guys through scheme and discipline and et cetera. Or in basketball, you're going to diagram plays and whatnot, right? Like in baseball, you're not drying up plays for an at-bat. You're drying up some plays, but it's mostly like shifts right. and different things. Yep. To me, a manager's job is to just sort of vaguely and generally create an environment where every player can reach their full potential whether it's through bullpen and pitching staff management or dissemination of scouting information so that the players can understand how to be the peak version of themselves or just helping to create a great chemistry and togetherness. Terry Francona, it's really hard to quantify exactly what he does like 
in the weeds on a day-to-day basis unless you're behind the scenes. But if you go back and look at Terry Francona's teams in Boston and Cleveland, and some have been more talented than others, those teams have an amazing sense of chemistry and togetherness. Those teams are amazing at disseminating scouting information to players so that they come up and they're just like ready to rock and roll from the minor leagues or whatever it is. These Twins teams, look look at this year alone. Worst base running team in baseball. Yep. Statistically. Fangraphs has, you know, outs or runs created on the base paths above and below average. And the Twins, with that metric, are atrocious on the base paths. The Twins pitching staff, the starters, facing a lineup the third time through the order, worst in baseball. It's like an 870 OPS against. So you look at that, okay, is is that front office putting pitchers in a position like pitchers that are incapable of facing a lineup the third time through? Or is it a manager and field staff not working with those pitchers to guide them through a third time through the order or a combination of both? And then the, right. this is more of a random thing, but the clutch hitting on this team, two outs, runners in scoring position among the three or four worst in baseball, that might just be small sample size, noise, whatever. But I could I could probably make a case that the front office stuff is – is making Rocco look a lot worse than Rocco really is. So I would I, like John Daniels is sitting out there. John Daniels is one of the most highly regarded best general managers or presidents in, in the league. I would talk to him and say, Hey man, do you want to run this whole thing? If you want to keep these guys around, you can't like, I would look at that before I would look at Rocco specifically, but I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. There's a lot of things on the field level that just yeah. don't look and smell right. But I think a lot of it's coming from the top more than it's yeah. coming from oh, the yeah. bottom. So Well and I would and I would love to go after the top. I'm just saying I think Rocco is for what Rocco's supposed to do, and again, this goes well beyond taking a pitcher out. This is you have a team how why is your team so stupid? Why do they within the confines of a game, why can they not run the bases? Those are the questions, and look, I mean, this thing, since 2019, Phil, has lacked discipline. It's just that in 19, it was, oh, Rosario, ain't that funny? You know, he watched that ball and got thrown out a second. That's our Eddie. That's just Eddie being Eddie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's no, no. You know yeah, what that let, does? Let guys be themselves. Exactly. You know what that does? All of that, it sends a message down the line that there's not going to be any accountability. And I'm not saying Rocco or anyone else needs to be fire and brimstone in this era of pro sports. But I am saying when you are now saying, well, I took Celestino out and it's a great learning. You know what, Rocco? It's too late. And nobody, when Miguel Sano was able to get away with the crap, in my opinion, that he did of his at-bats being awful, and again, there was no discipline. Literally, the, the, the best manager this team has had since 2019 was, was Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz is the guy that had the most, he basically demanded accountability and held guys in check. And we sort of knew that, but it appeared to be a genius stroke by Rocco. But when Nelson left, or before that, it just started to get out of control. And and that's why I'm just saying, I don't think this team is going to fire Felby. I really don't. I also think they're not going to fire Rocco. But I do think it's a lot better chance that you could remove him. And I just don't see it. This thing is going 
backwards, but I have no problem with what you just said, which is if they went to John Daniels tomorrow and are like, okay, let's back channel this, Johnny. I got no problem with that. I'm just saying this whole thing's a mess, and I'm done with like asking fundamental questions of how can we get this, how can we get this back? Yeah. I don't know you can with what you're doing and with and, your and, people. And the problem is like what's what's happening here is two two forces. The first force is in order to sort of save face, totally understandably, the yep. organization is putting injuries out as the headline, right? The broadcast is talking about injuries for the duration of a three-hour game when they're getting smoked by Cleveland again, right? Yeah. And it is true. Again, there have been injuries. A lot of teams deal with injuries. If you look at the Twins have had like 2,000 injury list days. It's third in baseball this year. But if you look at the top 10 that make up 75% of those days, it's a lot of guys that don't matter, like Randy Dobnak and Miguel Sano and a couple of like random relievers. And it's a couple pitchers that you knew were injured and could plan for. Like Royce Lewis is a loss. Trevor Larnick is a loss, but also has not done a lot. He's not the greatest defensive outfielder, et cetera. Yep. So you're, you've got you've got the idea that the, the organization itself is saying, this is all bad luck and injuries. We're just going to come back and get him next year. But then you also have an ownership group led by Jim Polad that is one of the least curious and I would say starving to win ownership groups that you're going to find in professional sports. He is he is one of the biggest dud owners we have seen in the history of Minnesota sports. Not because he's cheap necessarily. I think he's actually greenlit a lot of big expenditures behind the scenes. I've heard they've they're added payroll. like they've the, the Josh yeah. Donaldson like they've yes. they've done some stuff payroll wise within yeah. the confines of Major League Baseball's. You know, they don't have like a big revenue sharing structure like the NFL has. So it's funny. People rip me like, you're a Polad pocket protector. No, I'm telling you that they're not going to spend with the top five teams in baseball. So be more creative and curious. And they aren't. And so Jim Polad's not looking at this thing saying, boy, this is a wild disappointment. I know you guys have had some injuries, but let's look at the rest of it and peel back the label here for a second. He's not doing that. He'd rather just like keep his... He's, he hired a bunch of nice people. He wants to be friends with these people. It's a pain in the ass to have to fire people and then look for new people. Mm-hmm. He'd rather just say they're doing an A-plus job and it was bad luck and let's try again. That's 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 the vibe that comes from the top, top of ownership down through the organization. So I don't think, honestly, like gun to the head, I don't think you're going to see any major. You might see like a third base coach change or maybe you know there are going to be a new pitching coach come in here. I don't think Falvey, Levine, or Rocco are in trouble this offseason. I don't think uh, their jobs are in trouble either, but I, I do think if they wanted to make a major change, it's not necessarily removing Rocco, which I'm not completely against, But um, and I'm not wearing like a Twins Daily shirt underneath this or anything. I'm not trying to defend the Twins by t- tooth and nail. But I, I, I do think that the ownership has made much more mistakes and have put Rocco in a really bad look. Um, and you're seeing a little bit of Rocco kind of breaking out that of the puppet strings a little bit at times this year, he's getting a lot more upset and you can kind of tell that he's getting frustrated too with these results and injuries and ineffectiveness and losing this and losing games will obviously do that. Um, but this franchise hasn't won a playoff game in 18 years. And and have they made some savvy moves here and there? Have they got a Joe Ryan for an aging Nelson Cruz? Have they found a Sonny Gray for a first round pick? Yeah, they, they, those are solid moves. But at the end of the day, it's the same thing that we've been talking about with this with this Twins team, whether it's Falvey or Terry Ryan or Bill Smith. 
They haven't been able to cultivate a winning culture in the playoffs. And the Twins fan base owes that they are the Twins fan base deserves to see success. And if they if they are not seeing that success, you have to make major changes. I remember this quick story is like I I covered opening day in 2015 and I was walking down from the press box down to the Bulls and there was an upper level Twins person who said to himself and the other other executives that, hey, you know what? I don't really care about the wins and losses as long as I know we tried hard. And I just remember being 23, 24 years old being like, really? As long as as long as we tried hard and that kind of mentality is why people also rip the twins and rip the ownership for not caring enough about winning. Well, dude, Rocco said almost that exact thing as the twins were getting swept away by Cleveland. Right. He didn't he say like those guys laid it all on the lines. Yeah, which is BS, which is absolute BS. But the other thing. So the other thing, if the twins were actually if they cared and they were to do a real audit. A real one. So not just uh, injuries and blah, blah, blah. Okay, I got an idea. Take the Cleveland games against you. You got done. Why? Partially, a big part, Terry Francona is a genius. Your guy had no counters. Your guy had no... So, Phil, to the point well, he's that not, you're... He's not, he's not allowed counters. I don't well, think he's, he's allowed counters. He's not allowed them to, but Cleveland, for instance, does what? They run a lot. They run the bases really well. Again, I go back to the little things because I agree. Like, I'm not down on Rocco for the big decisions because he's not making those. I'm with you totally. But the things that he can control, he doesn't control well. And, again, as I hate watch this team right now, they are actively golfing. They have decided we're going to go golfing, mentally, I should say. And those are the things... Those are the things that are very disturbing. But if they were to go after Falvey tomorrow, I wouldn't object one bit. My point is this isn't working. My point is this is not a blip. This is not bad luck. This division sucked. And you and you were in first place most of the year. Yeah. And now you're an afterthought. And Cleveland, which I believe had a payroll starting the season about half of what you did, so, like, where Cleveland did not – they've got talent, but it's young. Um, Cleveland has milked their talent for everything they're worth. And against you, they kicked your ass. Why? And and the last thing, too. If you're going to do an actual – if you're going to look into what happened, I'd be curious if Jim Polad knows why West Johnson left. Because to go recruiting in June for LSU is the biggest pile of dung excuse I've ever heard. It is weird. I mean, it, it, he's getting a lot more money, so it makes sense. But why wouldn't you wait three months? Could you could Correct. you double dip a little bit? Hey guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I really want to see the season out. Right. I'm gonna be on I'm gonna be on some Zoom calls, not right. during my work hours, like early in the morning. It is. It. I get why he left. The timing of it is weird. Correct. It's definitely weird. And you were in first place. And, and these college, were, yeah. These these college okay. jobs give you so much more autonomy as a pitching coach than you would get under this front office as a major league pitching coach. Yep. So, all right, are you are you good? Do you Well, I didn't even talk do, about Valleys, but I'm 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 done there. Uh yes, I'm good. All I'm saying is this. Coming up next, Rocco Baldelli's done a great job and Rocco at home is a great guy. We go to the Baldelli's <laughs> house and look at a happy family. Um Oh, my God. See, if, if you play it, I'm screwed. Coming up next, Carlos Correa's had a great year. We're going to torture his September stats into why he's going to walk away from this team.
Yeah, I'm done, but I'm done. They 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 need to make changes. And the last thing I will say on this for now is so many people, like like even like members of our brethren in the media, mocked and laughed and ridiculed when I and we floated the suggestion three months ago that hey, if you uh if you're not going to make the playoffs or if you're just going to kind of scoot into the playoffs barely. Wouldn't you want to leverage this amazing asset in Carlos Correa to one of like the two or three teams that needs an infielder? You were Wouldn't it make sense to maybe maybe trade him to recoup some value, get a get a top prospect or two? And I mean, it was like it was it was literally like mocked in articles and stuff, and uh, never never forget, never forget. And of course, they did what we wanted at the time. I said, "Oh, this is great. This is what you should do with Correa: is go trade for three pitchers." And, of right. course, my mistake is, and I've been burned twice on this now, not Googling name of player and injury or UCL <laughs> or shoulder. Join the so there's there's Twitter receipts going around like, well, Mackie, you like the trade. Well, I, yeah, I'm sorry. I like the Mally trade because I didn't Google that he had been on the injured list two weeks before with a bum shoulder. Yeah. So I, I always assume that when you trade for a player that there is no medical issue, and we can't assume that anymore with this Twins team. But – the more likely, I, I think there's a chance he could like it here and come back or opt in, but he's gotten hot enough now. He's a four-win player above replacement, 20-plus homers, OPS is well above league average. He's done enough statistically now in the second half of the season where it probably makes sense to opt out and go see if you can get a six- or seven-year massive contract from somebody, and that yes. somebody is unlikely to be the Twins with Royce Lewis coming back at some point. So you're going to wind up, the likely scenario is you're going to miss the playoffs and Carlos Correa is going to walk for basically nothing. Yep. But we, we, I mean, when you sound the alarm on that three months ago, you're a bunch of clickbait artists. It's like, no, man, this is the stuff you should be thinking about well, if you're a front office. And so I don't know, man. We'll see what not, happens. But It's not clickbait. It's the buzz factory. Oh, Buzz Factory, mm, the Buzz Factory, you know Score North is, oh, the Buzz Factory. Um, I will say this about Correa, and I think he's done some good things. But anyway, um, I get very frustrated when guys like Correa get what I consider to be conveniently hot for their own cause. It's like, dude, where were all these hits with guys in scoring position back in May and June and July? Like I, I understand. I still happens. want him back. I want him back. Yeah, he's no, a really, no. But he's I'm a really good. But, player. but I'm just saying. Before that, I was like, you know, going into this month, I was like, he he might have to opt in. But I think you're right now. Like he's conveniently gotten hot enough where the stats are going to be like, oh, you are Carlos Gray again. So yeah. So well, all right. That uh, that autopsy of the twins presented by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, been around for over 100 years, helping business owners maximize their level of success through risk management tools and resources. Uh, Federated is all about personal relationships, and they're all about making sure that your business is protected, safe, and, uh, and skyrocketing up to the right as you look at a chart. Federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. Uh, do you guys want to do old tweets exposed, or should we should we save those for for a later date here? 
Well, so so with old tweets exposed, it's a little more of an executive decision. I, I have uh, combed through a clip that went out, and actually Judd, Judd kind of knows what happened because I was playing some of this in front of him uh, by our new cubicle chairs. Now we have actually desks here at Score North and Hubbard Broadcasting, so it's actually oh, very nice. Um, but uh, it, it's more of a funny discussion that Judd pointed out in OTAs that Mackie and I kind of mocked, and it's split into two parts. So that's, that's my long-winded way of saying it's old tweets exposed, a little bit of a twist on it. What if we did this? Is it Vikings related? It is Vikings related. What if we, uh, for for what are people saying about the Vikings? What if we brought old tweets exposed to Purple Daily today? That works. Okay, because I think work. I know where you're going with this, and uh, I think we should. We're gonna do a little little, little crop. We're gonna make you go to our other show for uh-huh. old tweets exposed Vikings awesome. related today. Um, so, all right, that's Mackie and Judd on this reckless speculation Thursday feedback Friday tomorrow. So get your questions, comments, concerns, critiques in through the Score North app. And uh, if Judd wants to talk about the Twins anytime between now and 2023 opening day or whenever there's news breaking, you can find that on the Jay Zolgad Twitter account. Yep. Probably not as much here on the actual show. See you guys. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring after two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability, Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time. And clearly, he's not ready to hang up the cleats. Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In with Chris Howard podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs, the start of the NHL season, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.